0: This week on the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: You could say that our justice system harms people who harm people to show that harming people is wrong. Restorative justice is a justice that heals.
0: It's restorative justice, from harm to healing, this week on the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: Support for the Bioneers' Revolution from the Heart of Nature is provided in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation and by the generous support of listeners like you.
0: An eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. These words of Mahatma Gandhi sum up the fateful crossroads the world faces today. Over the past half century, the U.S. justice system has substituted rehabilitation with retribution. From Congress and the courts to the executive branch, the message has been clear. Mass incarceration, the war on drugs, the militarization of police, mass surveillance of everyday life. Make no mistake, the scales of justice have tipped radically against the poor and people of color, especially African Americans. It's no accident this trend began gaining traction coming out of the civil rights battles of the 1960s. Today, the racial justice movement in the US is successfully using a relatively new tool, restorative justice. It arrests the cycle of youth violence and incarceration early in schools and juvenile justice policies. Young people of color are taking the lead, transforming schools and their communities this is Restorative Justice, From Harm to Healing, with Oakland attorney and restorative justice pathfinder, Fanya Davis, and restorative justice for Oakland youth advocate, Cameron Simmons. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature.
1: I want to greet you uh, with a Zulu traditional greeting. "Sawubona, sawubona." If I meet you in the marketplace, or I meet you on the road, I would say "Sawubona, sawubona," and this means I see you. I see your spirit. I see the gift that you are to the world. I see your authentic self. That really sums up the work that we're doing in Oakland with youth. Seeing them, even when they may be cursing us out, and just continuing to see them until they begin to see themselves, and until they begin to see who they truly are. It's very sad when I see the violence that our youth face today, the danger, the abuse, the trauma, from structural violence, from police violence, from community violence, is just, is just overwhelming.
0: Fanya Davis is co-founder and executive director of Restorative Justice for Oakland Youth. She launched the organization in 2005, but her justice work began decades earlier as a passionate activist in the civil rights movement. Born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, She experienced the savage racial hatred and injustice of Deep South segregation that spawned a menacing name for her hometown. Fania Davis spoke at a Bioneers conference.
1: I lived atop Dynamite Hill. That was the name of my neighborhood. It was called that because of all of the bombings that took place in our neighborhood for black families who happened to move in pushing the color line. And of course, Bombingham was called that because of the many, many bombings of churches and of people like Reverend Shuttlesworth uh, and others who were leaders in the civil rights movement. Two of my closest friends were killed in the Birmingham Sunday School bombing. And I want to honor them. I want to invoke their names right now. Carol Robertson, we honor you. Cynthia Wesley, we honor you. And all that I do today is in remembrance of you, to honor you. It was dangerous for me as a child growing up in Bombingham on Dynamite Hill because of racial violence, the violence of the Ku Klux Klan. So I left the South as an angry warrior. I was involved in almost every major movement of the end of the 20th century the Black Power Movement, the Black Nationalist Movement. and At one point, I was so anti-white that when my brother, who was in the National Guard at the time, brought a colleague home with him who was white, I stood in my doorway. You cannot bring him in here. <laughs> of course, so who does that remind you of? That reminds me of George Wallace, right? <laughs> yeah, who stood in the doorway of University of Alabama to keep Arthurine Lucy from coming in. I, was filled with rage. I was a warrior for justice in in a way that privileged anger and rage. In
0: 1969, during the FBI's Scorched Earth campaign against the Black Panther Party, police broke into Fania Davis's home and shot her husband, who nearly died. Her sister, Angela Davis, also a Panther member, was put on trial a year later for attempted murder and conspiracy. She would later be acquitted. Fania Davis decided to become a trial lawyer, speaking out for her sister and battling racism in the courts.
1: And after about 30 years of this, I began to feel out of balance. And I literally became ill physically, affecting the feminine organs. I intuitively knew that I was being asked to rebalance myself, to bring more feminine energies, more creative energies, more spiritual energies, and more healing energies into my life. And I synchronistically and serendipitously ended up in a Ph.D. program in indigenous studies, which allowed me to study with healers all over the world, especially in Africa, especially a a Zulu healer by the name of Abusa Mazulu Kredomutwa, my spiritual father. I studied with him and came back to this country, finished my dissertation in indigenous studies, couldn't find a job doing this wonderful healing work, and so kicking and screaming went back into the practice of law. But it's a good thing I did because I was able to find out about restorative justice. Restorative justice is a justice that heals. You could say that our justice system harms people, who harm people, to show that harming people is wrong. Huh? <laughs> and what happens? What happens is that harm replicates, it reproduces, it metastasizes, it begins to saturate our existence. That's so much of what we see around us. That is what in part has breeded the abomination of, the mass, of mass incarceration, of the prison industrial complex. We know that harm people go on to harm other people. Studies show that if you have experienced trauma, even observed trauma, if you don't heal that trauma, you're going to go on and hurt someone else or hurt yourself. And it goes on and on and on. So restorative justice recognizes this, rooted as it is in indigenous principles of healing and of reconciliation, And so, it sees crime as damage, as harm to relationships. And justice, therefore, must heal that damage and repair that harm. So restorative justice seeks to heal the harm rather than replicate it. So when I found out about this wonderful healing justice, it was an epiphany for me, because I realized I could be the lawyer, the warrior, and the healer all at the same time all at the same time. Yes. So it was an incredible moment in my own personal journey into wholeness. And that is the foundation upon which I do the work that I do today.
0: Fanya Davis educated herself about restorative justice. She traveled around the world attending conferences and worked with movement leaders. She was especially inspired by meeting Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who in 1995 became chair of the groundbreaking Racial Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa.
1: I really wanted to go to Africa to do this work, to war-torn regions in Africa. And Becky, who was the president at that time, said, oh yes, come, we need you. The people are knocking down our doors for this reconciliation work. Come, come. But did he ever offer a job? No. No. So I found myself frustrated. But then a friend said, "Fanya, Oakland is Darfur. Oakland is those war-torn regions of Africa. Of course, Oakland is much, much more than that as well. But something rang a bell, I had another epiphany. So from there, we formed restorative justice for Oakland youth. And our mission is to promote restorative justice principles and practices, policy and practices, systems change, and direct services in schools, the juvenile justice system, and in communities.
0: When Fanya Davis began restorative justice for Oakland youth, known as Our Joy, she was working in a city that had the reputation of being one of the nation's most dangerous metropolises. She and her colleagues have surprised everyone by demonstrating how dramatically that reputation could turn around.
1: We had one school pilot, starting in 2007, that succeeded in completely eliminating violence, in increasing test scores, and reducing suspension rates by 87 percent. Yes, And that got the attention of the entire school district and within a couple of years, with some organizing by youth and these amazing outcomes, the Oakland Unified School District passed a resolution adopting restorative justice as official school policy. Thank you.
0: Restorative justice is versatile because it's a worldview and a practice. Today, it's being successfully used in domestic violence cases, community disputes, and workplace conflicts. Judges and district attorneys are applying it to reduce recidivism rates in prisons and the juvenile justice system. What Our Joy is now showing is how restorative justice can transform public schools with an upstream intervention that interrupts the cycle. At the heart of Our Joy's process are various types of facilitation circles, such as the welcome and Reentry circle. It's for youth who return to school after an absence, often because of suspension or incarceration. Again, Fanya Davis. We also have
1: community building circles that very often happen in the classroom. Everyone on the school campus is trained in restorative justice and, and teachers do community building circles, value circles, talking circles, celebration circles in the classroom. And then we have conflict circles as an alternative to suspension as an alternative to school-based arrest. It is these kinds of circles that begin to interrupt the school-to-prison pipeline. Reducing suspension rates is huge, because we know that when a child is suspended only once, their chances of being incarcerated triple, and their chance of dropping out doubles. And if you drop out, your chance in Oakland is 70% that you will be incarcerated. And all of the state prisoners in California and around the country, of all of them, 75% are high school dropouts. So this work that we're doing in schools is a real upstream intervention that's meant to interrupt cycles of mass incarceration, racialized mass incarceration, and also the school-to-prison pipeline.
0: Fanya Davis works with Cameron Simmons, a young man who engaged with restorative justice when he was 17 at Oakland's Ralph Bunch High School after years of conflict with teachers. Simmons shared his story on a panel with Davis.
2: I've been suspended from various schools starting back to the age of four. I have a total of over 150 in-school, out-of-school suspensions, a total of four expulsion hearings, three expulsions, and I was on probation from the age of 13 to 17. The first time I was ever suspended, I was suspended for theft of my own candy. At the age of four, we usually start preschool, and, you know, as a normal preschooler, uh, you know, I, I'm not used to being without my parent. So my mom would give me candy. My favorite was a pack of original Skittles, the red pack, you know. Uh, being four, you know, uh, my attention would be more on the Skittles than school, I guess. So my principal took my Skittles away from me, put them in his office, and I seen him lock his door. Me being four, I, I knew I couldn't unlock the door, so I grabbed a chair, put it against his wall, and I climbed through the window, you know. And <laughs> uh, grabbed my candy back, and um, that was my first suspension for theft.
0: That was just the beginning of an escalating cycle of punishment that Cameron Simmons experienced throughout his years in school. He spoke with us at a Bioneers conference.
2: I was in the fourth grade. And I forget what assignment we're doing, but my mom always taught me if you there's no such thing as a dumb question. If you have a question nine times out of ten, somebody else has that same question, you know, so you should feel free to ask. And you being my teacher, I should feel comfortable asking you, you know. So I asked my teacher about the assignment and she made fun of me in front of the whole class, which angered me. And I flipped the desk and walked out in the fourth grade. I got suspended. She told the teacher that she didn't do anything, that I was just irate. I was just, you know, mad over no reason. And I just flipped the desk and left, you know. You were brought up, you know, before this thinking some way. And you go to school and they teach you that stuff that you've learned at home, the person that you thought you were, you, you might not really be that person. You might be a bad person. I've had teachers tell me that maybe I shouldn't go to school. You know, that maybe that's not for me.
0: Cameron Simmons' school days devolved into a vicious cycle of perceived crime and punishment. When he was 13, playing in the lunchroom, he threw a pint carton of milk at a friend. The principal called the police. Simmons was charged with assault with a deadly weapon and put on probation with an ankle monitor for four years. He dropped out of high school and left home. He began living in abandoned apartments, falling in with gangs. Then, when he learned that Ralph J. Bunch High School in Oakland was implementing restorative justice practices, he decided to give school one last try. He could tell right away it was going to be different. For starters, the teachers took the time to warmly welcome each student.
2: My first circle was my first day. The uh, assistant principal put me in the restorative justice room with my mentor now. I forget what the circle was about, but it was uh, for the, the men at the school. You know, and we were talking about our feelings. The circle of men talking about their feelings. In Oakland, you know, it's not really heard of. They let you know that it's okay. You know, whether you want to cry, uh, whether it's something going on in the community, whether it's something going on in your family, like, they're there to listen, you know? And they're there to help, you know? Restorative justice gives you that comfortability, because like I said, it's a support team that let you know it's okay to be you. We'll support you however you are. Wherever you at right now, we'll help you get farther. And it helps you be self-sufficient. You know, it's a a pair of shoes to your socks. It helps you take an extra two steps forward. After finishing his homework, Cameron Simmons
0: spent weekends at training workshops to learn about the history and practices of restorative justice. He also learned to train others. Simmons is now 21 and serves as Arjoy's youth advocate.
2: This is the opportunity for me to get the youth voice heard. I'm doing it for... Little Billy and Sally. I'm doing it for people that I've seen that I know what they go through. I'm doing it for people that I don't know what they go through, you know. I try to outstretch my arms to the world. I'm trying to change the world, you know, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. One person at a time, I can do it. Today,
0: ironically, Cameron Simmons teaches teachers and administrators about effective restorative justice practices for their students the wheel has gone round in the most surprising ways, as Fania Davis witnessed.
1: So we were training seven school districts down in Fresno, Central Valley, California. And I was sitting right next to Cameron, and he says, you see those guys over there? They expelled me when I was going to school in Stockton. And it was just perfect. I mean, first of all, I have to acknowledge him because he was cool. He was cool as a cucumber and didn't show any resentment, any, negative, any anger, nothing. And then they came up during the break and shook his hand and acknowledged him. And I just thought it was really synchronistic that these people happened to be there, the same ones who suspended and expelled Cameron. And Cameron is here five years later teaching them about why suspensions and expulsions are <laughs> helpful. Yeah.
0: Our Joy has facilitated circles throughout Oakland to address tense and often dangerous relationships among police and communities of color. The result of one circle was a plan for students at Ralph Bunch High School to play basketball against a police team. The students won. Some of the officers became mentors for students, seeing them after school and in the evenings. Some Oakland cops are now participating in Our Joy trainings. After they graduate... Our Joy students are returning to their high schools to facilitate circles. Cameron's story, like many others today in Oakland, shows how replacing the vicious cycle of harm with a virtuous cycle of healing can restore not only justice, but people and peace.
1: The reason that Cameron stood before you here today is because... By the time he was in 12th grade, he finally came to a school where even though he was sagging, even though he was wearing a hoodie, even though he was grumbling, they embraced him before he had crossed the threshold of the school. The principal, the vice principal, even the school security officers. He came into the principal's office, and she looked at his jacket of 150 suspensions and multiple arrests, and she invited him to tear it up, tear it up. Mm -hmm. He thrived, he graduated with a 3.7 average. Mm -hmm. And this is the story of many other youth. So today, restorative justice is in 30 schools, that resolution didn't collect dust. The district has put its money where its mouth is. 2.3 million dollar budget just for restorative justice with 40 employees. And now the Oakland Unified School District is uh, looked at across the nation as a model of restorative justice of school-based restorative justice. Thank you.
0: For Fanya Davis, this very different vision of justice can and must spread widely from the personal to the societal and global. And she says, we stand at an epic crossroads of history.
1: History is asking us to become healers. Mm -hmm. We are so good at causing harm at every level. We are experts at that and it's become clear on every level ecologically, socially, on every level, that if we don't learn to become healers, all of us, not just the acupuncturists, and not just the medical doctors, and not just those who heal the human body, but history is asking all of us to become healers wherever we are. So I want to thank you for answering history's call so that we will have a future for the seven generations to come.
0: Thank you. Thank you. The recidivism rate in California prisons is 70%, costing taxpayers over $46 billion annually. About 75 to 80% of prisoners nationally are high school dropouts. The justice system is a bust, and we now know it starts with a school-to-prison pipeline. Fania Davis and Cameron Simmons are showing how restorative justice can change all that and why history is calling upon us all to become healers. Restorative justice from harm to healing. You can see and hear more from Fania Davis and Cameron Simmons and explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos online at Bioneers.org. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer Kenny Ossabell, written by Kenny Ossabell. Senior producer and station relations Stephanie Welch. Host and consulting producer Neil Harvey. Program engineer Emily Harris. Production assistants, Tina Rubio and Melanie Choi. Interview recording engineer, Emily Harris. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest People of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. All royalties from Baca compositions and performances go to the Baca Forest People through the charity Global Music Exchange. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made available by Sounds True at SoundsTrue.com. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers' Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life each other, and future generations. This is program number 0816.
1: This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley's pasture-raised organic dairy products, bringing the good from our family farmers to your table at organicvalley.coop. Funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues and by the generous support of listeners like you.
0: If you love Bioneers Radio, it's free and easy to support us. Just take a moment to post a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find our show online. You'll be helping other people find and enjoy these incredible thinkers and storytellers. And thank you for helping us out.